Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. I am really excited for you to meet my friend Elizabeth Chan. She is a touring and session drummer for tons of artists here in Nashville, as well as a tour manager for many of them also. Elizabeth is originally from New York City, Brooklyn to be more specific, but made her way to Nashville after going to college at Liberty University in Virginia, where she was able to tour all over the country drumming for different music groups from the school. Some of the artists Elizabeth has worked for include Carrie Underwood, Darius Rucker, Keith Urban, Lady Antebellum, Holland, Lauren Daigle, and Mandisa. I hope you enjoy part one of our conversation today. All right, well, hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Marty. It's How so good you? to see you. So good we to see you, We haven't seen too. each other in probably a couple of years, actually, I, I think. But yeah. we met, just so our listeners know, you and I met. We go to church together. We used to mm-hmm. go to church together at Fellowship yeah. Bible Church mm-hmm. here in Brentwood. Yeah. And uh, I first noticed you, my wife and I were sitting in the audience, because mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. we all serve on the worship team together there, mm-hmm. or did. Um, and my wife and I were were in the in the crowd during the worship time, during the music, and all of a sudden there was this girl playing drums that we had never seen before. And we're like, dude, check her out. And like, cause she, like she's just like so joyful and so animated and you were, you were just like killing drums and you were, you had your hand raised and you were praising God and you were doing all this crazy cool stuff at the same time. And we're just like, man, that is so f- cool to see someone that is so joyful. Mm. Thank you. When they're worshiping. And that yeah. was so, so much fun. And so then we finally got a chance to know you and, and play with you. Yeah. And, uh, and so we've always enjoyed that and, and building a friendship with you. Thank just, you so much. Just through that time. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so tell us, I wanted people to know your story, mm-hmm. how you got into music, because you're a drummer and a right. very good one. Thank you. Um, I always tell people, you're one of the most fun drummers I've ever watched. Oh, that's a huge compliment. Thank you for that. And... Uh, and you also are a tour manager mm-hmm. for different artists. That's right. And so for people that are wanting to kind of get into either of those, you know, parts of the music industry or maybe both parts, mm-hmm. um, kind of share your story of how you started out. Like I know you're from Brooklyn mm-hmm. That's right, in yeah. New York and you grew up doing music there. Right. So what kind of got you into music to begin with? Yeah, so my dad actually was a pastor in New York City. And so growing up, I was always around youth group. I was always around church. And that kind of was the start for me where um, we got a drum kit that was from the church. It, it kind of was being passed on and landed in our house. And so I was just 
one day sitting, you know, in our living room, I was like, that kind of seems fun. How about I jump on? And, and um, for some reason, I just took to it. And eventually a drummer in our church started giving me lessons. Um, he actually, at the time, he was 17. I thought I was, so I was starting out when I was eight years old, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy's, you know, a full-grown adult. Like, I'm kind of nervous to ask him for lessons. But at the same time, my parents at the time didn't have enough means to send me to, you know, full um, lessons in New York City. So I mustered up the courage and and I was like hey would you be willing to show me a couple of things and that 17 year old kid ended up teaching me for the next 10 years how old were you were you at the time I was eight at the time Mm -hmm. and um he was taking lessons from a drum teacher that I really admired and and I really wanted to take lessons from that drum teacher but because we didn't have the means to he was just like how about I do my lessons and then after that I'll just go ahead and um teach you whatever I've learned and so that was just a really cool thing for the next 10 years, just learning under him um, and being able to just kind of take in things that he was either excited about or just different groups that he was interested in. And um, so that was 10 years. And then after that, I auditioned for college, ended up getting a full tuition scholarship by the grace of God. And from there, after I graduated, I moved to Nashville. It was kind of one of those things that wasn't necessarily um, planned out. Honestly, when I was in college, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to graduate, probably work at a church. That was kind of the end goal. And then when I was in my um, senior year touring with music teams at my college, we were opening up for a band called New Song. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Oh, I know New Song. I actually got to open up for them one time. Oh, really? Back in 1995. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Years ago. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So Russ Lee from New Song, he pulls me aside and he goes, hey, I know that you're a graduating senior. I'm not sure if you're you know, thinking of moving to Nashville, but I really would encourage you to consider it. Um, and I told him, I was like, Russ, you know, I'm not that type. I, I've never, I've never seen myself as competitive enough or even, um, I guess, qualified enough to do it, you know? And so it just wasn't in my brain at all. And I had a couple of friends that had moved from college and done the Nashville thing and they really got burnt out by it. Uh, and so I just told him, I was like, I don't think so. I don't think it's for me, Russ. So that was a Sunday, and then the Wednesday of that same week, we ended up opening for a new song once again. And this time, Russ pulls me aside for 45 minutes. He literally was holding up his bus um, from departing, and he goes, hey, I really, really, really think that you should consider this. So he's talking me through a couple of different options, you know, like, how about you try this, try that. Um, just, just think about it. Just pray about it. See whether the Lord is leading you in that direction. So kind of had that tucked in the back of my mind. And two days later, we do this youth conference and um, a lighting director that was contracted from Nashville to be at that event um, comes up to me after the event and goes, hey, you know, I know you're a graduating senior, not sure if you've ever thought of Nashville, but if you are thinking about it, my lease actually ends in August and I'd love to do a rooming situation with you. And so that was just one of those things where, you know, she had no idea the conversation that happened with Russ two days prior. And um, I just kind of was like, man, maybe this is something where God is asking me to step out in faith. And, um, you know, I couldn't deny the fact that there were a couple of different conversations taking place that seemed to point in this specific direction. So after that tour, um, took two weeks at home in New York City and packed all my things and I said, all right, let me take this leap. And um, I just packed up my drum kit and two suitcases in my car and made that drive to Nashville. That's cool. And that's pretty much when we met, I think, you you got, when you got here, 
did you pretty much land at fellowship around that time? Was it pretty yeah. quick? Yeah. So I had a mutual friend in college that knew um, the worship director at the time. And he goes, hey, when you get to Nashville, you really should connect with this guy, Keith. So I think it was actually my first day in Nashville. I, I ended up going to fellowship and, and meeting up with Keith. And uh, I think that was about the time when we met. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, yeah, because I, I remember when we first met, you had said you had just gotten to town. Yeah. And you were just kind of getting your feet wet. and. Mm-hmm trying to figure everything out and then right. the next thing I know you're out you're on you know an award show playing for Carrie Underwood it's <laughs> <laughs> like that's awesome you know because oh, I don't think people realize how hard it is to get started when you come to town the, they usually say it's like there's a five-year rule mm. it takes five years to kind of get cemented in Nashville right. and be able to get work and mm. start building a name for yourself and a career and all, all those kinds of things so the fact that you were able to do it so quickly and start getting opportunities, um, I, I thought was really, really cool. Mm, thanks. Yeah. So once you got to town, yeah. who was the first artist that you started playing drums for and going out on the road with? Yeah. So Mariah Peters was the first artist that Mariah I Peters, yep. worked with. And so when I knew that I was going to make that transition to Nashville, basically what I did was I sent out a bunch of emails to management. Um, I had done, this is a random fact, but when I was in middle school, actually, around 13, 12 or 13, I had um, written reviews for a lot of companies here in Nashville. Hmm. I kind of got connected with that through, you know, forums and message boards. I was a huge CCM fan, a huge music fan growing up. And so I just, you know, whatever means that I could to get connected over the Internet, I did. Um, And so when I moved, I kind of thought, well, hey, I have some of these contacts already you know, for either managers or means of, of getting the contact info for these managers. So I kind of just over the two weeks when I was, you know, packing and considering that move to Nashville, I said, how about I just, I know this typically goes straight to junk mail. I know a lot of these people probably get emails from musicians every single day asking for a gig, you know, but I thought it's worth a try you know let me just put together a a quick website and put together um, a package that I could send to some managers and just say hey you know I know you have this artist on your roster and and if you're needing someone I would love to fill that spot you know Um, and so that's kind of what I did the first two weeks and it just so happened that one of the managers that I um, sent an email to Scott Brickle uh, he was actually looking for a drummer for his artist you know and Man, it's I looking back, I'm like, that was only the grace of God because he even told me when I first moved here, he said, in 25 years of doing this, I have never, ever opened up one of those emails. <laughs> you know, he told me, he said, uh, I tell my assistant immediately delete those. We don't even we don't even open them. We don't um, we don't consider them ever, you no. know, um, but he said, When you sent your email, for some reason, just at that time, I was sitting at my desk and I decided, huh, let me open this. Clicks on it and reads it through and says, I think I should give this girl a chance, you know. And so um, he had someone else reach out to me. And and ironically enough, it actually was the day that I was driving into Nashville. So I was four hours out from getting into Nashville and I get this call from a 615 number. And I'm like, who could this possibly be? I only know one person moving to Nashville, and that's this person that I'm about to be roommates with, you know? 
Um, and so I pick up and it actually was Joel Smallbone from For King Country and his wife is Mariah Peters. And he goes, hey, uh, we have this gig coming up. Would you be interested in auditioning? <laughs> and so I'm like, first of all, oh my gosh. First because, I'm talking to jo Joel Smallbone from right. For King and Country. Absolutely. <laughs> How does this happen? <laughs> Absolutely, right. And then um, the second thought was, I don't even have a space to set up my drum kit. Like, where am I actually going to create an audition video, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm scrambling and calling a couple of different people. And actually, Keith, um, whom I mentioned earlier, he he goes, hey, I'm not home at the moment. And this might be really weird, but my roommate is home. And you can totally go up into my studio, record what you need to. Um, I'll just connect you with him. And so I literally, I got into Nashville. I convinced this girl that I was rooming with to um, grab a video camera and help me record this audition video. And I'm knocking on this random stranger's door. And I'm like, hey, uh, can I come in and set up my drum kit to record this <laughs> That's video? That's awesome. It was just so pulled together. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I look back on that and I was like, man, it was definitely God's grace that all the pieces came together. Sure. I think it was about a day or two later that I submitted the audition video and got a call saying, hey, we would love to have you, you know? So that first gig that I did was actually with Mariah at um, Disney World. And so we were doing- um, And that's how you start your drumming career. Yeah, is at, Disney, at World. Disney World, which was definitely on the checklist for me. I remember okay. calling my mom and being like, oh my gosh, like I never thought that this would be the case. And this, you know, it's just the beginning, but this seems kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that show that we did actually was Disney World, but they also have this conference called CMB during that time. And it's where a bunch of radio reps and um, different industry folks within CCM come to Orlando and basically showcase a lot of the different acts that are coming up. So when I played that show, um, there were a lot of different people in the industry that were watching. And that also was part of just something that I was so grateful for because that show ended up connecting me with a lot of different artists as well you know so just within the first couple of weeks that I was in Nashville it was kind of like one thing led to the other and led to the other so people from the industry are there yeah and to watch Mariah this concert or is it what was what was the purpose of that event? yeah so CMB basically is a radio event where a lot of the um, radio reps come in and then a lot of the industry f uh, folks come in as well and they're showcasing they're basically having a conference for Christian music right. during that weekend. And so they kind of, at the time, it was paired with Night of Joy, which was Disney's right. event, and okay. then Rock the Universe, yeah. which was Universal's event. So it was one weekend where everyone just converges on Orlando. All the different artists are performing. Exactly. Yeah. And you have a lot of the different industry people that have passes to all of these different events. So they're dropping in, seeing, you know, whatever artists they've heard of within the last year. So... You were playing with Mariah mm -hmm. for that. Yeah. So when industry people are popping in to see who's doing what, mm -hmm. are they looking at the musicians thinking, I wonder if that person would be available for this? Is that one of the things that they're looking for? Like, who did you get connected with from that event to say, hey, we want you to come play for so-and-so, another mm -hmm. artist here and here and here? Right, so yeah. So in particular, it was Blaine Barkus. Um, he's the a and R. Oh, Blaine Barkus. Yeah, he's such a great guy. Him and, and his wife, Beth, have been dear friends for many years. But um, Blaine was Mariah's A&R guy. Okay, at the time, yeah. Yeah, exactly, at the time. And he's still working at Provident. But right. um, 
he had come out to that show and and I don't think necessarily a lot of the industry people are looking for musicians to pair with other artists you know but I just ended up meeting him and kind of hitting it off with him and I actually after that event um I reached out to him and Beth and I was like hey could I just take you guys to dinner and just get to hear your story because you know growing up in in a Christian home and just being very um uh, a big fan of CCM music I had always been kind of curious as to what an A&R's job was and, yeah. and that was his role at Provident and so it was pure curiosity I was just like I want to get to know you I want to get to know what you do mm -hmm. um, and so after that event I think maybe a week or two later we ended up grabbing dinner and honestly like it wasn't even for the purpose of networking honestly it was just for the purpose of hey like I want to know your story yeah. and I think that that was something that was um, a, an important lesson to me when I first moved to Nashville you know I think a lot of times you hear about networking and you hear a lot about like oh if you're in LA you know you've got to be good at networking if you're in Nashville your your whole thing is you know a lot of this is ironically enough a lot of people go to churches mm -hmm. and they try to network with with the musicians that are playing or the worship leaders that are playing and while there is some value to that and I think that there's um definitely you know I'm not trying to down that at all I think that having good communication sure. skills and good people yeah. skills is really important I think the overarching thing that is even more important than that is being willing to be curious about people's lives, being mm -hmm. willing to genuinely want to know more about sure. others. And I think when you start at the base level of being someone who's serving and interested in others, mm -hmm. that eventually leads to things and different opportunities that people just want you to be a part of just because you're someone that, you know, they see can add value to the environment that can add worth to the different people that you're around. Right. I was actually talking about this very thing with someone just the other day mm -hmm. that the most important thing in what we do in the music business or industry is relationships. Mm. It's the exact same thing. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's getting to know someone one-on-one -on -one for who they are right. and being interested in what they do and mm. the people that they are not, not in what can I get from you or right. what can you do for me? Right. But how can I serve you for one? How can I help you? And then also, how can I just know you and be, be friends with you? Mm -hmm. And I think when we do that, that ends up opening up more opportunities mm -hmm. for us in the long run um, because we're showing interest in, in people. Because exactly. at the end of the day, the people in the industry that are we consider high up or people or big wigs or whatever, it's mm -hmm. like they're people too. Right. You know, they need... They want to be loved and they want to be liked right. and they have struggles that they're going through mm -hmm. and they don't want to just get emails and phone calls from people. Hey, what, what can you do for me? How can you make me the big, big person in the room or whatever? Mm -hmm. But if we can show someone love and especially as believers, yeah. as Christians, if, you know, we want to, we want to be able to um, affect people in a godly way and reflect Christ to them. So if we can, inject that into them mm -hmm. and make them feel loved for who they are that as a natural progression opens up opportunities that we don't even think about at the time mm -hmm. right. but when when the time comes they're like you know i'm looking for whether it be a drummer or a guitar player or 
a songwriter or whatever it is, they know that they can trust you because you've built a relationship so they can trust, Absolutely. you know, as opposed to just someone walking off the street. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is that in Nashville and, and in L.A., New York, all these different music meccas, there really is a million people to choose from. Mm -hmm. You know, so and they're all amazing. They're all amazing. Yeah. Everyone can do the job. I remember coming in for an audition. Um, I got called in for an audition for an American Idol contestant, and it was basically a cattle call where you have 30 musicians lined up at soundcheck, and you're, you know, they're bringing in one musician, just kind of like filing through all these different people very quickly. And I thought to myself, as I was standing outside the audition room hearing all these other people going, I was like, every single one of the people that have gotten a call for this audition can play the music. Like we're all like, I'm listening through the walls and I'm like, everyone's sounding amazing, you know? But I think the one thing that makes us all different is really the character that we bring to the gig. Sure. You know? Um, That's a good point. Yeah, like we can all play the music when it comes down to it. And for sure there are things, I'm not diminishing the value of having a good work ethic when it comes to, you know, being on top of your skills and, and learning the music well. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you spend maybe 45, 60, 75 minutes on a stage, but you spend all that other time during the day with the artist or with the band, with right. the crew. And what people don't often consider is the fact that that time spent with people is just as much a part of your job as the time spent on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to have some sort of understanding and work ethic of how do I how do I keep myself healthy so that I'm the best person around diff the different people that I'm traveling with right. you know that's just as much a responsibility that I feel as the music part of it is sure and you're spending all of that time hanging out with people mm -hmm. and again it's that's building those relationships and you're building trust with people mm -hmm. and if you're not easy to hang out with and you're not a joy to be around nobody wants to work with you anyway yeah i mean you can be the best musician or artist in the world but if you're a jerk to be around i know right. I, I think i keep telling saying this every time i do an interview with somebody but if you're not easy to work with or to be in a room with nobody wants to work with you anyway mm -hmm. you know so i think that that, that uh, your attitude and your likability, those things are more important than your talent, mm -hmm. really when it comes down to it, because everybody can do it, like you said. Yeah. All of us pretty much have the talent to be able to pull off what it is that needs to be done, but you have to be enjoyable to be around, mm. you know? And I think that's one of the great qualities about you is that people see, when they watch you play, they see the joy in your personality when you play. Mm especially when you're doing worship music. That's, mm -hmm. again, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, when I first saw you, I was like, man, that is amazing to watch her because she's so joyful and so animated in what she does. And you weren't trying to be, you weren't trying to put on a show mm -hmm. or be anything other than just who you are in that moment, you know, as you're worshiping. But it just really, really came through and it, and it made uh, us more excited to worship as well because mm -hmm. we see anytime you're especially in Christian music and people right. I mean this show is for it's not only for Christian music it's for all of, all genres of music mm. but for people that may not necessarily be familiar with Christian music or worship music when we're at a worship service or at a Christian music concert and we're worshiping in that setting the people on the stage 
you know, we are looking to those people for the leadership aspect of, of worship. They are leading us in worship before the throne of God. And so if you're, and I'm a worship pastor, so I understand this from both sides, as, as so do you. But when, as a worship leader and a worship band, when we're up on stage and we're leading, if we're standing there like a knot on a log and we have no joy in what we're doing, then the people that are trying to worship along with you, they see that and they feel that and they're not going to respond, you know, adequately. Right. You know, they can't worship if we're just, if we look like we're sucking on a lemon, <laughs> you <Right. know? laughs> But at the same time, as a leader and as us trying to lead people in worship uh, as a band, that relationship goes both ways. Mm -hmm. If the audience kind of does the same thing and they're just kind of standing there like, who are you? Why are you here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That makes it more difficult for us sometimes. So the fact that you're back there and you're just going at it and you got your hand raised, you got one stick going one way and a hand <laughs> raised the other. I'm like, how is she doing this? She's got like three arms. Uh, it's just a joy to watch. And that comes across in your personality. And that's one of the things I really have admired about you. Mm, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing to point out as far as just, you know, doing something or even creating an outlet for, for working with something that you believe in. You know, I think a lot of times we do things haphazardly. We can kind of, you know, when it comes to music, I think maybe this speaks to burnout too, where some of us can, you know, show up to the gig and or show up to the church service and we're kind of like, oh, well, here we go. Let's do this one more time, you know. And I've totally been there before, absolutely. Um, and one of the things that I've really learned in, in this process is don't do some, don't sign up for something that you don't believe in. Right. You know, like... And I've had my times of struggling with that because obviously even in, in my own faith journey, I've had my times of struggling through what is it that I really believe? Do I really believe in, in this? You know, um, And it's okay to ask those questions, absolutely. It's okay to have your doubts, um, but do the work of digging through it. Mm -hmm. Do the work of saying, is this really what I believe in? And if it's not, then I'm not just going to subject myself and subject my heart to something that I... I'm haphazardly doing. I don't want to create a life where I just go 50%, sure. you know? Right. And so I think that's a really important thing, even when it comes to whether you're playing country music, whether you're playing in Christian music or doing worship music, you know, mm -hmm. like whatever the spectrum is, ask yourself, is this something that I really believe in? Are the people that I'm working with people that I love and I'm, I'm for that I'm wanting to give my 100% to to help you know and i think that when we put our full body and our full mind and heart into things that's when we really see um joy and we really see uh kind of the fruit of the things that we've worked hard for mm -hmm. so i want to backtrack just for a minute and go back to blaine barkus yeah so once you got connected you guys went out and had dinner with his family mm -hmm. just to get to know each other yeah building a relationship yeah right there's no there's no underlying motive mm -hmm. whatever uh but as, as time goes you built a relationship with them and then you start getting more gigs with other artists mm -hmm. uh, besides mariah so is that through through blaine did he help get some of those gigs or like cause there's multiple ways to get mm -hmm. gigs obviously right, right? so uh what i want to find out is what whether it be through Blaine or other avenues, how did you start getting some of the other gigs that you started playing for? Yeah, you know, honestly, it was oftentimes through just working with one artist where either a, 
band member or you know an industry person related to that artist would see me play and then reach out to another artist that they had and said hey let's bring this girl into this um okay. this gig as well so oftentimes really it was just through playing out okay. you know one thing would just lead to another yeah okay so you're you're out playing for mariah another manager or a road manager or whoever from a band sees you and says hey let's our drummer's not going to be available we need to find somebody let's reach out to elizabeth because mm-hmm. we've seen what she's doing. We see mm-hmm. the work that she's doing. Yeah. We know that she's cool to hang out with. It's a very, very small industry. Absolutely. It's a very small family, mm-hmm. you know, and once you get to know people, then if you don't know someone directly, you know them, you're one degree off from the next, <laughs> from the next person, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you ended up playing with Mariah for a while. And then recently, I know you've worked with um, Ellie Holcomb, and you've worked with Holland is pretty recent. Right. She's a CCM pop artist mm-hmm. and phenomenal. How did you end up with getting work with Holland? Who did you get connected to with that? Yeah, so that was actually um, partly Keith and then also Ryan Lampa, who is the, he was the tour manager for Toby Mac. Okay. And so Toby Mac is the president of the label that Holland is signed to. Right, Goatee. Yeah, Goatee Records. And so I think Keith actually was the first one that kind of put my name in the hat for that. And then Ryan had also heard of what I was doing from a distance before that. And so he gave me a call and he said, hey, you know, we have this artist. Um, she's playing for the Dove Awards and she's looking for a band. Would you be interested in in coming in for this? So Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And so it just started out at the time as filling in for this one thing. I don't think she even, at the time, she wasn't touring with a band. She was just playing to tracks mm-hmm. for a lot of the tours that she was doing with Toby. And so we did that first event. And then right after that, her manager was actually, at the time, Lori Anderson was managing her from True Artist. And Lori came to the dressing room right after we got off stage. And she goes, hey, we would like to expand this into you know, a, a longer working relationship. You know, um, We have a couple more gigs coming up. And Holland, up until this point, has been doing it just with tracks, but um, we would love to add band and would love to have you as a part of that. So that happens for a lot of gigs where you get pulled in for one show and you don't have the understanding of whether it'll turn into more than that or whether it'll just be that one show. But I think that's also a, a thing to keep in mind when I get called in for these shows. I'm thinking, okay, I, I want to do my best whether it's going to lead to $10,000 more worth of work or whether it's just going to be this one show. Sure. You know, and so doing that performance was really fun. Uh, Doing the Dove Award performance was great. And then from there, it kind of led to a couple of other shows. Okay. And then you ended up playing for Carrie Underwood. That's huge. Obviously, that at an award show is like an all all female band mm-hmm. of just different musicians that are I think most of them are pretty well known already. Mm. Um, and I remember that I think you posted on Facebook, "Hey, get, was it the CM, CM, CMAs?" A's? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I remember seeing on Facebook you posted, "Hey, I'm getting ready to play with Carrie Underwood on the CMA Awards." <laughs> We're like, "What?" <laughs> so we t- turn it on, and and all of a sudden there she was. There you are. You're up up on this huge riser of uh, all all women band backing Carrie Underwood and like that was just so cool Mm. to get to see that like man okay I just met her a few years ago at church playing on the worship team 
together and and then boom and there you are up on this massive riser on the CMA awards uh, with Carrie and so talk to me about how you landed that particular gig because that that doesn't just happen right yeah. I mean people don't just get to just all of a sudden play on the CMA awards mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. how did you end up with that oh man this one is actually a pretty funny story so years before ever doing that performance I was filling in at church and um I got called in for this worship service and then another keys player got called in to fill in as well. And we do, you know, the service and and I think yeah, it was a it was a free gig. It was just like if you're free on a Sunday, come in and help serve. So came in, did that, and it happens that the keys player um at the time he wasn't playing for Carrie, but eventually he ended up getting the gig to play for Carrie. Mm-hmm. And Is this Scott? Yeah, this is Scott Sheriff. Scott Sheriff. And so this was probably like maybe even a year, not even a year of moving, of me moving to Nashville that um, I did this filling gig at the church. And probably three, four years later, I get an email uh, from Mark Childers, who is the MD for Carrie Underwood. And he goes, hey, I got your info from Scott. Um was curious whether you'd be willing to audition for this. And I thought back on that and I was like, you know, the crazy thing is that I never, after doing that one gig with Scott, I never ran into him again. It was just, and even playing for that church service, I was like, man, you know, just, it wasn't like there was writing on the wall where it was saying, this is going to lead to your gig with Carrie Underwood. It was just like, just show up, be faithful in the little things, mm-hmm. and you never know what it'll lead to, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that was a really important lesson to me of just like, man, like there really wasn't any reason as to why that one fill-in gig would have led to playing with Carrie, but I'm so grateful that it did. And uh, I, I look back and I'm like, that once again was the grace of God because it it didn't make sense it wasn't like there was some major industry connection you know or I I did a couple of things in the country music industry that led up to that that honestly was the first time that I had ever done anything in country music it was playing with Carrie Underwoods for the CMA Awards and oh um, that was your introduction into the country music world absolutely okay so now you've you've played with a few artists since since then then, yeah absolutely but that was literally the first thing that I had ever done in country music and I remember even getting called in for the audition and Mark, the MD, he, he goes, you know, what have you done prior to this? And I was thinking he's probably not going to be really familiar with a lot of the CCM artists that I've worked with. But come to find out, he had played in CCM for a couple of artists back yeah. in the day. Okay. And, you know, as he's kind of also listing off, there was another there was a bass player in the room and he was listing off a couple of the things that she had been involved in with different country artists. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, in this moment, Elizabeth, you don't need to fake it. You have grown up in New York City. You're really not familiar with country music at all. Um, And all these artists that he's listing, you have no idea about. (laughs) You know, I just remember thinking, just show up as your authentic self. You know, and I told him when he was asking for my background, I told him, you know, honestly, I didn't grow up listening to country music. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And... um, I don't know a ton about this genre, but I'm willing to learn. And so, you know, the first performance doing it with Carrie, it led to a couple of different things in country music. And every single time I've just kind of come in thinking, all right, this is an opportunity to learn. 
and I'm going to do as much homework as I can. I'll, you know, even right now, I'm, I'm, when I have time off, I, I fill my time with just listening to the music that I have missed out on since I didn't grow up on country music. And now at this point, um, country music has been the main genre that I've been working in for the past year or so. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of shifted from doing CCM to now primarily doing country music. And um, I love jumping between all different genres. You know, I'll work with some pop artists as well. But at this time, I just know that, all right, it's time to study up on, on something that's a little bit newer to me. So has it been a big learning curve switching from CCM to country? Is it a big, big change for you? Somewhat. Okay. Um, yes and no. You know, as far as the industry side of things, they both operate in a very similar way. And even as far as tour managing, I also tour manage for for different artists in the country yeah, world. Yeah, we'll get to that. I want to get more in depth in that. Yeah, absolutely. So both kind of work in a very similar manner. But there are things musically that I've had to brush up on when it comes to um, the different groups that I'm playing. Okay. You know, I think being very intentional in breaking apart the different grooves and and just breaking apart the feel has been the most important aspect for me. So yes, it is at the end of the day, it is very similar. Both are, they kind of overlap in certain ways, but there are little intricacies that I have found worth paying attention to. That's great. That's good to know for, for, especially for drummers that are wanting to, you know, get into the business or, or actively trying to, to do this, um, to know that, when you're working in different genres, you know, to think about those little changes, there are little differences and just mm-hmm. to be aware of those and to do your homework and study up and listen to what's, you know, what one artist is doing or what one genre might be doing. It's a little different from the other, just so that you know, people are going to hear that, especially the ones that are wanting to bring you in. They're listening to see what it is that you know, right. you know your technicality. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, and real quick, so you've also worked with Lady Antebellum and Keith Urban, which I love Keith Urban. Um, that's just such a cool thing that you've worked with so many great artists and you know, you're working with Lauren Daigle. You've done some stuff with her and, um, and Mandisa. And it's just so cool. I love it. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. Please come back for part two of my talk with Elizabeth Chan as we talk more about road managing in the music business. Remember, Edenbrook Music offers consulting services over phone call, Skype, and FaceTime if there's any way that we can help you to make a living in the music industry.